Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, I remember uh, trying to counsel one of my sons. We were riding in a car somewhere, and I, I said, uh, uh, your enemy, the devil, has a wonderful plan for your life. What do you think it is? Uh, and, you know, that started a conversation that, oh, that didn't sound right. And it doesn't sound right. It's not a wonderful plan. Um, and uh, there used to be a track many years ago that said, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And that's true as well, uh, that he does have a wonderful plan for our life. Um, I, I was even, as we were singing and even singing this last song, uh, it talked about uh, peace that comes from relationship with God. And I, I was thinking about uh, things in my own heart that sometimes are unsettled. And I was over here, and as many times I do, I look back at you all, and I, I thought, look at all these people. Look at all these people. And every one of them uh, has burdens and things, and, and they're different. They're different. You, you've come here this morning. Some of you didn't want to come this morning, but your burdens God used to drag you here this morning. Um, and as a pastor um, and as a man fixer, not very good at it, uh, I want to go, oh, I'm going to run around. I'm going to run around and take care of everybody. I'm going to take care of everybody. I'm going to fix this person, and then when I'm done fixing them, I'm going to go to this other person. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. I'm gonna... And there's no way. There's no way. And yet we meet here today, and I trust, I trust that God, in his kindness and his mercy to you, that somehow will grant you a, a touch of peace and a, uh, for your problems of today, that uh, he will do a work in your life even today uh, through what goes on here as we open up his word. This is what we do. Uh, this is how, and, and, and it is a supernatural thing. We have the supernatural word of God that it was intended for us that we might know. Uh, even the passage today, it's a little weird of a passage. It might be, you might feel like this, this seems kind of odd. It does seem kind of odd um, that God would work in your life today uh, and be working in the things that you're struggling with. So uh, with that in mind, uh, let's look at God's word um, and I'll read it and then we'll pray that God will do that very thing as we look in the book of Philippians. Please stand in honor of God's word. Let us start reading at verse 1. We looked at that last week and then down through verse 3. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. God, we ask your blessing on your word and that you would do that special work in your church of uniting our hearts together to serve you. Um, 
God, help us to uh, see clearly your word this morning and that it would do that. Your word that was inspired, Holy Spirit inspired word, would rearrange our hearts to be what you want them to be. God, help us not to cling to ideas uh, that we have maybe grown up with or find, find ourselves justified in that aren't from you. God, do your work in us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So think about uh, this passage. Uh, it comes to me the question, what's the best thing happening in this world today? What's the most important thing? The, the thing that we should always and uh, every day, all the time, want to be a part of. What, what is the most exciting thing of the day? And it's interesting, uh, um, you know, what is happening today? A picnic, a picnic or mountain fest, right? Uh, we should call the picnic Bear Valley Fest, right? Church Fest, right? Uh, the idea that uh, someone asked me, well, what is Mountain Fest? And I said, well, it's a festival in the mountains. I don't know. Uh, it's something that we do. It's something that's a part of Tehachapi. It's been going on for a very long time. Uh, you, you think about what the most exciting thing that's going on in the world today, uh, it's his church. It's his church. It's his church sharing the saving message of Jesus, the gospel. It's the most exciting thing. It's the most exciting thing that's happening throughout the world right now, everywhere. Uh, that his church is being built and they have a message called the gospel. The good news for all people, that sinners would be saved, that they would come uh, to saving faith and that they were, their sins would not be held against them. And so this morning, uh, as we look at God's Word, we're going to really see two truths, uh, two things to be remembered uh, that we can apply and need to apply to our relationship with God's people. These are critical things. Um, as you study the book of Philippians with me, uh, these last months, you, you hear the theme of unity coming up over and over again, probably most powerfully in chapter 2, uh, verses 2 and 3, where he calls uh, this church to unity. Uh, he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind and having the same love and being in full accord and of one mind. Um, the, these two passages, that uh, that passage and the one we're going to look at today are possibly connected in Paul's mind. He says generally what he wants to say to the whole church, to every situation, and now he focuses in and he wants to share specifically to a specific situation uh, the importance of relationship in the church fellowship, uh, that sweet fellowship and unity, one-mindedness uh, with one another. As I studied the book of Philippians, I, I would describe the, the church at Philippi as a great, amazing church with dangerous divisions. Dangerous divisions. Um, and most of the time, uh, we don't think of division in the church as a big deal. Uh, I don't like that person. That's why I don't sit by them. <laughs> Go to the second service. Uh, 
I sit on the other side of the church. You, you really, I, I shared with one this morning that it messes me up when you sit on the wrong side of the church, okay? Okay. You think it's comfort for you. No, it's comfort for me as well. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll tip, you know, uh, what are they doing over there? You know, why are they there? Um, as we look at God's Word, we realize that there's dangerous divisions. Now, uh, most people, as they think about the church, uh, they think about it kind of like a restaurant. Restaurant. Uh, what, you know, we have favorite restaurants. We love to go to them. Uh, we go to them over and over and over again. Uh, some of you go to restaurants so often that they know you by name. Uh, it's like Cheers or something like that, right? You know, they come, you come in and they call you by name. And, uh, but if over, time, if over time you get a bad meal there, what would you do? I'm not going back there. Or maybe you get treated poorly uh, by the waitress or the hostess or uh, the owner and you say, forget them. I'm going to a different restaurant. I'm going to a different restaurant. And I just want to, before we get rolling here this morning, say the church isn't a restaurant. It's not. It's a family. Now apply that same attitude uh, to uh, your dinner at, in your, with your family. You know, they didn't give me what I wanted here. I, you know, this is a horrible meal. Who cooked this? Don't say this. Please don't say this in your home. Uh, uh, why, why, you know, why is this floor dirty? Shouldn't somebody take care of this? Uh, in your family, what happens there? That you should take care of that, right? That you should be the one to serve and to participate. And the church is a family. And this morning, as we look at this passage, is a deeply personal, personal, uh, intimate look inside the church at Philippi. It might even uh, kind of strike you as wrong in your mind that Paul would mention this. And yet I want to encourage you, this is from God. This is from God. This is his message to us. He wants us to know these details. This is what it says. Uh, verse 2. I entreat Eodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. We find out later... Uh, those, the first name, I guess, by the way, I've never, you know, some people name their kids. We, we've named our kids Bible names. I've never met these girls in the church, you know. I've never met these girls. It'd be rough to have both of them in the twos and threes, you know what I mean? Um, two ladies' names. Uh, we don't know anything about these ladies. We, we do know, uh, I don't know this, I read this, I, I I trust the, the authors, but their names are Greek. Their names are Greek, which would have been common uh, in you know, this area. There were plenty of Greeks there and these, these ladies. And these ladies are part of the church there. They're part of the church. And so if you could picture this morning, I don't want you to really picture this, but I, I want you to picture these two ladies in our church. Definitely one would be sitting over here, and then the other one would be sitting over here, or the first and second service, right? And, and we would know them. They, they are named uh, so that they would be known, that they would be known. They were picked out. And as we begin to talk about them, we're talking about them in church. How, you know, that's, 
Seems rude. Um, but we just get this one point, this important point for us this morning. Uh, we have two of them. The first one is this. Our goal is agreement. Our goal is agreement. Um, when you think of uh, different organizations that have problems, uh, let, let, me, let me ask you, uh, do, you know, do they have problems with a, a club at the school, uh, at the high school? Do you think they would have problems in a club? Yeah, sure. Uh, how about... Um, you know, maybe some of you in your occupation, there's a union. Uh, do you think there's maybe squabbling within a union? Or maybe uh, you teach on a faculty. Do you think there's squabbling within a faculty and factions there? And, you know, I hate to say this out loud, uh, but maybe within a community like the CSD or the association, might, might there be some squabbling and disagreement? Of course, right? Of course. Uh, we, you, we, we factor that in. We you know, uh, we see it on sports teams. We see it everywhere. We understand that that's a common problem. But what we see here is that it's co- a common problem in the church. It's a common problem in the church. And some of you are going, no, can't be. And I want to say, yes, it is. Okay. Um, in, in fact, I was thinking about this and I was reflecting back and I found it interesting Right before, in chapter 15 of the book of Acts, if you've been studying with us, chapter 16 tells us of the beginning of the Philippian church. But chapter 15, if you go to chapter 15, you read about Paul, the the writer of the book of Philippians, and how he had a separation with Barnabas over John Mark. And not one where they go, oh, they just hugged it out and they were done, but they separated. They separated and said, I don't want that guy going with me. He's a flake. He didn't say that. We didn't get that, but we assume that to be true. And they separate. In fact, they, Barnabas and Paul separated, and Paul took Timothy and Silas, and that's when he went to the church at Philippi. Okay? And so Paul knows of this division per, personally. He, he understands what it does. And now uh, he's addressing it Uh, with these two ladies. Now, insert the jokes right now. Insert the jokes. Two ladies, right? Two ladies fighting in the church. And I I think some of us would go, oh, you know, they were frustrated because uh, of coffee pots or, you know, the color of the carpet or whatever. And I want to tell you that we we don't know. We don't know what they were bothered. We, We don't know what their division was. But I can't help but think that it wasn't something like that. That these were not ladies. We, we get a description of these ladies. These were not shallow ladies who got hung up on the small things. This passage tells us that they were laborers side by side with Paul, side by side with the other laborers, um, maybe even describing that. So it, I don't think it's so much a woman thing. In fact, as we look at um, what we know about the church at Philippi, from its beginning, uh, there were at least two prominent ladies there, one Lydia and the other a slave girl. And so they were mentioned, there, there weren't many mentioned, but there were two of them that were ladies, there were women. And now, as he describes these two ladies who are in disagreement with one another, 
he doesn't talk about how useless they are. He doesn't talk about how they're not important to the church, but rather the complete opposite. Um, ladies, I want to encourage you. Uh, you are a, a huge part. Uh, your co-workers in God's work here in His church. We need you. And I know that it's easy to, to get defensive in our world today. But know this, that uh, don't take your cues uh, from the media. Don't take your cues from marches and all other kind of crazy things that are going on in our world today. But look to the Word of God and see, see how God used women in His gospel work. Okay, commercial's over. Back to the Word of God. Two ladies, Yodia and Syntyche, uh, were a big part, uh, somehow a big part of the present uh, work in Philippi. I find this interesting. Most of the time that we get in a disagreement, uh, we, we have problems in our marriage or problems with a personal problem, and somebody comes up to us and says, hey, I, you know, I want to talk to you about the problem you're having with so-and-so. And you say, that's none of your business. It's a personal matter. It's a personal matter. Has nothing to do with uh, you know you pastor or you anybody in the church. It's a personal matter. I'll point out something. Uh, their disagreement was not a personal matter. It wasn't. In fact, it was written in the eternal word of God. Their names, their names. He he doesn't say you know those two ladies. Take care of those two ladies. And everyone goes, oh, I know who those people are. <laughs> you know. And he says, no, just so you, uh, you might even think that maybe the reason he said their names is because there were other divisions going on in the church and other ladies go, oh, no, they're, they're talking about me. No, it was these two ladies. And uh, so their names are written. Uh, to say this, uh, our problems, especially our relationship problems, if there's sin going on, if there's disagreement, there's not unity that God wants, it's not a personal problem. It's a problem for the church. Um, you, you think about that and you think about, wow, my sins matter to God. That he, he doesn't look the other way and go, oh, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. It's always going to be that way. Uh, I'm taking off. Or I'm... I'm no, this is an incredible uh, record and an identification, a spotlight putting on something dangerous to the church. Paul urges them in uh, verse 2, he says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche. It's interesting, it says it twice. Um, he could have just said, I entreat Euodia and Syntyche to take care of this. But, it, but it's as if that he's with them face to face. He's not with them face to face. And if they'd be sitting in the front row, he'd say, I urge you, I entreat you, you got to take care of this. Got it? And I, unur I, I urge you, it's got to take, it's super important. It's, it's very important that there's a personal ap appeal to both of them individually. And uh, like I said, we, we don't know what the problem was. Uh, it might have been Yodia was a pain. She was selfish and proud. 
and, and she, couldn't, she couldn't get along, and she wouldn't, as much as Syntyche would come and say, yes, would you please? She said, no, I don't want to deal with it. But there was this personal urging of both. And I want to tell you, uh, it, it's easy for us to say, well, that's their problem. That's their problem. You know, I'll play my 50%, but, but if they don't, you know, I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. But there was a personal urging to both. Um, and even beyond that, as we, as we look at this. But what was it that he was urging them to do? The end of verse 2, to agree in the Lord. To agree in the Lord. How do we agree in the Lord? Uh, some of us have used the phrase, and in my family sometimes has happened in even as a child, but they would say, we agree to disagree. <laughs> that's not really the agreement probably that's talking, talking about in the Lord, right? We agree to disagree, which means I'm going to smile. I'm going to smile, and I'm not going to talk about this anymore, and I'll just agree that I'm right and that you need to come to your senses in the future sometime. <laughs> We'll agree to disagree. I'll agree that you're wrong and I'm right. Uh, that's what that looks like, right? And that's not what he has called these two ladies to. He, is a, he has called them to agree in the Lord. Now, that seems impossible, doesn't it? It sometimes seems impossible to agree. You think about the things that separates us and uh, some of them are unimportant, but some of them are substantial. They're substantial. You think about what these ladies could have disagreed with. And chances are it was something personal too in the sense that there was an offense that happened. Maybe as they were working side by side in ministry, one let the other down. One had a different way of approaching what God was doing and, and they said, no, that's the wrong way. And maybe it was substantial. And yet he calls them to agree in the Lord. Um, how do we agree in the Lord? Well, we agree with him. We agree with him. It's not your idea and my idea. It's not what I think and what you think. It's what does God think? What does God think? Um, most of the time, our opinions... Our ideas get in the way of agreement in the Lord. We're clinging to our own ideas. If it's not something that the Lord has, let go of it. Let go of it. And this idea that we both agree with the Lord, there's unity in that. There's unity. Agree in the Lord. Uh, verse 2, the first part, um, or actually the, the whole verse, um, seems clear enough, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. Um, he was called. Uh, he, he was calling them to agree in the Lord, in this uh, public way in the church that they would be united. Um, and yet uh, he goes on in verse three, and he says, "Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. Help them. Help them." So, 
This was a famous feud in the church. Uh, we don't know if it was hot or cold. We, we don't know any of that. We just know that it was public. It wasn't something that uh, we read in an email or saw on Facebook or something like this. It was happening over a longer period of time. And chances are, over a longer period of time, there might have been attempts to reconcile. There might have been attempts to sort things out. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And so what does he say? Help these women. Help them. I think about um, how uh, self-sufficient we are. And we, we think, I, I can handle my own problems. I, I, I do things a little bit differently. I, I know how to handle this. I picture uh, that being like someone in the weight room. And they say, you know, I'm going to work out. I'm going to work out. And I'm going to be pumping iron, pumping iron. And I don't need anybody to tell me what to do or what not to do. I can do it myself. And as they bring the bar down to their chest, they realize they can't do it. And it starts to crush their chest and they can't breathe real well. And there's this cry of, little help here. I need some help. I can't do it. I can't do it. And the, the spotter comes over and lifts the burden and helps them do what they could not do for themselves. A little help. These women needed a little help. They needed someone to help them with the load that they were struggling with. So he calls upon, uh, if you look down at the passage, he says, true companion or yoke fellow, different translations. And we don't know who that is. We don't know who that is. Um, that is a translation of the word, the Greek word yoke fellow or true companion, this idea of uh, one along with me, one along with me. And so that could have been someone's name. And you say, well, how could it be someone's name? It would be someone's name like joy and hope, right? Uh, it's a word that's been attributed to a name and given by the parents hoping that they would be joyful and hope, hopeful uh, at birth and hope that that guides them throughout their life. And so it could have been one of those. I don't think that's what it was. I think it was uh, a code name or a kind of a um, nickname, if you will, that talks about someone in the church that probably everybody knew. And when they described him or her like this, they go, oh, yeah. That's, that's the one for the job. That's the one for the job. And they're the ones that are going to uh, grab these two ladies' hands and bring them together in reconciliation uh, where they need help. Um, and so just refresh. What's our goal? Our goal is agreement. Our goal is agreement. Um, if, your goal, if your goal is something else, like being the smartest, getting your way, uh, if your goal is uh, everyone thinking you're great, guess what's going to happen? Disagreement. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. And uh, I'll just say it to you this way. You won't be able to confine your mess just to you. It will slop over in the church to others. Okay? Agree in the Lord. That should be our goal. Our goal is agreement. Moving on, um, our focus needs to be on what is most important. Our, our focus needs to be on what is most important. 
Uh, I'm going to just stop right here and go, why do we disagree? Why? Why do we disagree? Why, you know, I'm going to be like, like some of, why can't we all just get along, right? Why do we disagree? The book of James chapter 4, uh, it briefly asks this question. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And this is what happens. I'll make it real clear to you. The stuff inside that you're struggling with will come out and affect your relationships. The things that you can't quiet within you, the things that you're struggling with, both just sins and insecurities, that those things that you can't quiet will come out in relationship. Um, and so that's what brings me back to even as I look at our church today and I go, God's church, His place. How, how can all these different needs be met? They can only be met with Him. And so we see this. Uh, we realize that the, the problems of our heart come out in relationship. Um, as we think about this, it, it comes out like this. We say, well, I've been offended. I've been offended. I have been hurt. I have been hurt. Or maybe even we've said, I, I've been offended. I've been hurt. Something's been said about me or my spouse or my kids. You know, you want to create di divisions in the church? Talk about people's kids. <laughs> you know. It's funny, uh, it doesn't matter what age either, right? You know, uh, you can talk about those little brats that are, oh, I'm sorry, uh, those little brats that are about this high. But then as they get older, uh, you know, it's even worse, right? Maybe it's magnified. And, and maybe even as adults, right? Talk about your adult kids and you say, no way. Uh, I've been offended. I've been hurt. It's unjust. It's unjust what's happened to me. You look at this, and, and maybe we would say it this way. Uh, we wouldn't say it this way, but this is how we're feeling, is that you, you say, you have offended the king, the king. And I deserve, I deserve to not be offended. I need, deserve to get my way. I want to encourage you, um, obviously, in the church, None of us are kings and queens. None of us are the ones most important. In fact, I believe the rest of this verse, verse 3, describes to us what is most important. What is most important. And what is most important? Look at it. He says, yes, I ask you, verse 3, also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. These ladies are important ladies. Why are they important ladies? These ladies are special. These ladies are important. Why are these ladies important? Because of their labor. Their labor. And Paul says, as I labored, 
these ladies were side by side with me in the work that we were doing. And not just these ladies, Clement was there. We don't even know who Clement was. But he must have been important. He got his name in it, right? And, and I, I picture as this letter was being read to the church at Philippi, he says, these ladies are important. They worked with Clement. Everyone goes, oh, Clement. He's a big deal. He's a big deal. Like, Clement's even in there? And maybe, maybe he's part of the mess and he, he wasn't, you know. We don't know. We don't know. But he's naming names, right? These two ladies, Clement, they're with me. They're with me. And all the rest of the co-workers. And what makes all these people important? What makes Paul important? And, and these two ladies and Clement and these workers, what makes them important in this passage? The work. The work. And what's the work? What is the work? The work is the church. The church at Philippi. And as the church at Philippi would, the gospel had spread throughout Macedonia, that that church would affect other churches that would be planted out from there. Do you get the picture here? What is that thing that is most important? It's the labor. And if we didn't get it, at the end of verse 3, he says, all these people, these two ladies, me, Paul, Paul, Clement, these other workers, it says this, whose names are in the book of life. Names are in the book of life. Maybe, uh, so we have the Bible here, not written in the Bible, but maybe uh, there's this other book. There's this other book. Maybe it's a black book, if you will. And it's, it's, it's God's. It's God's. And it's got every name in there. Who it, his, his people, his people, the ones whose reservation has been made, whose place is secure, who have been won by Jesus Christ. But he has this book, and it says their names are written in there. There's even a possibility as its uh, names are written in the book of life, it, it's not just that their names are in there. The possibility of, uh, of yeah, Worked on church at Philippi. <laughs> Labored church at Philippi. They gave. Uh, they gave of their lives at church at Philippi so that my gospel could go out in that city of Philippi and the outer regions there. You see, this is the book that is mentioned here. We, we see it at different places in the scripture. In Revelation chapter 3, uh, he speaks of the conquerors, uh, we look at one of the churches and it's conquerors and it says this, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and I will never blot out his name out of the book of life. This book of life, I want to tell you, is an eternal book of life. And so, picture with me, uh, there's a page. I don't think it has lines on it because the Lord doesn't need lines. Everyone else needs lines, you know. Mine looks like a kindergarten kind of tails off and it's a mess. But like he doesn't need lines, but he, he, he writes Yodia. Below it, it says Syntyche. And it's not in pencil, not in erasable ink. It's in Sharpie, okay? 
God's sharpie. It's permanent. And forever, forever, their names will be united in the book of life. I want to tell you, as you look at other believers, you have, if your name is in the book of life and their name is in the book of life, that's a permanent relationship forever. Think about that. And so this idea of, I don't like them. I don't care about them. They're, they're garbage to me. They're, they're nothing to me. I, I don't want to see them. I, I don't care about them. Think that through. Think that through. If their names are in the book of life and your name is in the book of life, you have a, a, common, a, a common connection in that book. And that's the thing that is most important. That's the thing that matters most. I know that uh, might be hard for us to take this morning. Maybe you're struggling, and maybe, maybe for you it's clarifying, okay? I want to give you some quick, quick things. Uh, how to get over disagreements, okay? How to get over disagreements. Uh, this isn't the conclusive list. This is just some of the things that I came up with as I was thinking through the Scriptures. The first one is this. This comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Cherish peace. Cherish peace even the one-sided kind, okay? Uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it says, so far as it depends on you, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Uh, that, that, that's all men. That's not even in the church, but like that applies to the church too, right? So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Make that your goal, that, that idea. I don't, I'm not a I'm not a person who holds things. I don't get offended. I'm not going to be one that holds on to things. Cherish peace. Secondly, uh, be willing to talk about it. Be willing to talk about it. Not with everybody else, uh, but with the people that can help fix it. The other person or some person in the middle, okay? So be willing to talk about it. Some of you uh, say, you know, I, I just don't want to talk about it. Uh, mulling it over in your heart and Sinning in your heart isn't going to fix it. It isn't going to fix it. So be willing to talk about it. Thirdly, and this is super important, it's throughout Scripture, uh, Jesus brings it up over and over again. If you have been forgiven, if you have been forgiven, forgive. If you have been forgiven, forgive. If you haven't been forgiven, you have bigger problems. But if you've been forgiven, uh, out of that forgiveness, out of you understanding your relationship with God, I've done to him and he's forgiven me. I, I get it. I get it. I have it. Forgive. Forgive. If you've been forgiven, forgive. Number four, uh, lay down your life. Take the hit. Uh, in John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I'm the good, good shepherd. And, you know, and the good shepherd, what does he do? What does he do? He lays down his life for the sheep. Some of us think, well, uh, I've been wronged. I'm paying for this. I'm not going to pay for this. I'm going to make them pay for this. I'm going to hold on to this offense until they pay for it. I want to tell you, take the hit. Lay down your life. This is what Jesus would do. Uh, we move on next uh, Number five, uh, may the big and small pale in comparison to the work in the Lord's church. 
May the big and the small pale in comparison to the Lord's church, to the work that's going on here. Um, there might be small issues that you don't like. You don't like the color of our carpet. Even when we get new stuff, you won't like the color of it, maybe. Or maybe uh, you, you won't like the time of our services. Or, or, or there, might be, there might be small things that just grate on you, just make you crazy, and you go, I just can't stand it anymore. May that pale in comparison to the work that God is doing here in your mind and heart. Or maybe there might be even big stuff. Maybe there might be even big, huge things. You think, uh, and I want to say even the big stuff, to, to make your own offense come into submission and under the work that God is doing. May that be more important than your, your big offenses. Number six, uh, get some help or be some help. Get some help or be some help. As you think about this, uh, some of you know that there's problems that you're involved in and you, you can't seem to get over them. Get some help. Get some help. It's important. Get some help. Secondly, some of you need to be some help, Right? You know of stuff going on, and you, you say, I need to interject myself in there. I, I know that's, they say it's a personal problem. It's not a personal problem. If it's in the church, it's a church problem. And we don't have to bring it up in front. We're not going to mention any names. Paul did, but uh, uh, we're not going to mention anybody's names. But you, you, be some help to people because of the importance of it. And lastly, let God be God and you his servant. Let God be God, and you his servant. It's interesting, uh, a, a good servant uh, never thinks about his own stuff, right? He just sees himself as a servant. Have I served well? Not did I get offended, not uh, did I get inconvenienced, did I get called in the middle of the night. Have I served well? Have I served well, my master? That's letting God be God, because he is. And that's seeing myself as a servant, not the king or the queen. May God give us help uh, as we come to disagreement over things that need to come uh, under the the lordship of our, our Lord Jesus Christ and that we might see them as small in the midst of what the Lord is doing. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, Thank you uh, for your grace and mercy to us that even in our failings and fumblings, uh, God, you're good to us and kind and patient and long-suffering. And you don't cast us to the curb when we fail over and over again. God, we ask that you would do your work in your church, that you would unite us together, that we might uh, serve side by side uh, as we get to do and partner with you in this great work you call the church. God, thank you for this time. Glorify yourself in your church. In Jesus' name, amen.